Hey, welcome to the Boxing One Podcast, a show that talks about sports, faith, and culture through the lens of the gospel. On today's episode, we're going to talk about some topics we know you guys have been waiting to hear from us on. Uh, we're going to go to the barbershop to start off and say, hey, this NBA season started. What player are you looking forward to returning back to their old team and know you're going to hit a bluebirds? I think me and Chris are going to have separate answers on this one, so make sure you tune in for that. And then we're going to talk about my man, Kirk Franklin. What did he say about the Dove Awards? What did Lecrae say about Kirk Franklin's statement? And then uh, what can we think about uh, theologically uh, as we think through uh, what that means for us as a community of faith? And finally, we're going to talk about stewardship and specifically stewarding your health. Uh, both Chris and I have been on a journey over the past several months, and we want to share those with you all and possibly share some tips with you all on what we did to help with our stewardship when it comes to our health. So uh, looking forward to it. You guys, we're about to dive right in, so don't miss this session. All right, all right, all right. It's the Boxing One Podcast. What's up, Chris, man? I'm chilling. Jay Rich, welcome back. Wow, man. It's been a hot minute, man. We have not recorded in a hot minute, but I'm super excited about diving back in with you, brother. I'm excited too, man. I think we got some fun things today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And what are we starting with? C-Lass? Jay Rich, uh, you know we always got to get a barbershop sports topic. Uh, and so the question of the day is, like, who's going to have the best worst return to their old stopping grounds in the NBA. And I do think we'll have different answers, but I'll let you go first and I'll hold on to mine. I'm going to go with Kawhi Leonard, Mr. Judas for my San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people are going to have different opinions on Kawhi and why he left. But in my mind, as a Spurs fan, he was the perfect player for our system. And he betrayed us. As a matter of fact, as we're recording this, yesterday in Los Angeles, he put up 36, eight points on our team as we played in Los Angeles. He took 35 shots. You know what that meant, right? He was, he was coming, gunning for you. He was coming for us. Kawhi doesn't take 35 shots a game. So I know that when they come to San Antonio this year, the boo birds are going to be out. And we don't care what he's done before. Every Spurs fan is going to see him as a Judas, man. We don't fool up with Kawhi no more. I like him as a player still, kind of, because he's just kind of the Spurs system player, but he no longer plays in that system, which means he's our enemy. So I'm looking forward to that game. Got it circled on the calendar, and I want to see what happens in San Antonio. You know we're usually nice to people, but I think Kawhi is going to get a standing bouvation. Yes, I said Bouvation. That's a new word. So <laughs> what about you, man? What team are you, what player are you looking forward to seeing come back with to play against the whole team? It's going to be so awkward to see Kyrie versus Kimba in the garden. Or I guess it's not the garden anymore, but when he returns to Boston, because he made leaving so awkward. Uh, first, there was the announcement that, hey, I'll stay as long as you guys have me. I went 11 up in the rafters one day. And then there was just the thing where he does, where he just gives the whole organization the silent treatment and no one kind of knows what's going on with Kyrie. And then there was a time 
when it seemed to suggest he was throwing some of the young players' work ethic under the bus, and that's why the team couldn't improve. And then he just dipped. And so that's uh, – it was like Boston was kind of uh, ready to see him go, but I still think it's going to be super awkward when you're – and plus you're Kyrie. Uh, you're kind of a little bit of an odd duck anyway. So I feel like uh, I feel like that's just got to be nothing but awkward. Is there anything that's not awkward with that man? Like, for real, real talk. Like, I don't know, man. So uh, when you think the earth is flat, everything is going to be awkward with you. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't care how good you are. And I'm trying to figure out how they got into Duke because, bro – you got a couple of marbles loose upstairs. But I, Bruh, I this gonna... man, he directed his own movie. Like, he writes his own commercials. Like, we're not, we're not talking about somebody who's devoid of complete intelligence. Mm. He's just odd. My man is just yeah. odd. Like, he's just a little different. And I don't want him on my team. I, I, I don't take, want him on my team either. I want Kimba over him. I think Celtics are actually going to be pretty decent this year. But that return is going to be pretty awkward. I think you might they might be boo Boston fans they don't play <laughs> so so he might get uh he might need some security going back to Boston yeah I I, I still like I know uh like Kawhi's gotta hurt the most right because he's he's been the finals MVP for that team before he brought them a championship and was considered the most valuable piece of a championship run and then he just dipped like, that's got to hurt more because Kyrie wasn't always that successful in Boston. They actually made it further the year that he wasn't there. He was injured in the playoffs. But uh, Kyrie was just quiet. He didn't have a lot of horrible things to say about San Antonio. Uh, Kyrie, you just get the feeling like he didn't leave well. Uh, you and I both um, do a lot with theological studies. Uh, you would hope no one would ever leave a church the way that Kyrie left the Celtics. No letter, no conversation, <laughs> just left the fellowship of the Saints and said, I'm out, bro. <laughs> and I think, I think John was like, hey, they, they were never with us. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> they weren't with us in the first place, so we good. They were not with us in the first place. Uh, that's a little bit out of context. You and I usually try to make sure uh, we have our hermeneutics in check and we are uh, making sure we're interpreting those verses in context. But that one seems to apply to Kyrie. Seems appropriate for sure. <laughs> so listen, man, uh, NBA season's underway. We're definitely going to have a whole lot more barbershop topics coming up and looking forward to a great season with a lot of storylines, man. We had to scale it back and try to figure out what we wanted to talk about this time, but I thought this was pretty appropriate. So Looking forward to seeing those guys um, dive into their seasons with their new teams, but also we want to see when the villain returns. Speaking of villain, uh, I want to talk about the Dove Awards because they have become the villain in the African-American Christian community. And part of it is because Kirk Franklin uh, actually posted an Instagram video, which was very cogent, very kind of well put together as he thought through his past several years attending the Dove Awards. And he's talented. He's a great guy. And he's actually won awards at the Dove Awards the past couple of years. And when he won those awards, 
he wanted to make sure that he spotlighted uh, some of the social injustice that was going on in our country. And when they replayed his speech, um, interestingly enough, they took out some of his references to some of the officer-involved shootings, um, both in Dallas and across this country. And Kirk was devastated by it, um, so much so that he decided that he was going to boycott. Uh, he didn't even call it a boycott. He just said, I, I'm not going to attend next year's Dove Awards. A great number of gospel, gospel artists and community members uh, have come to his side and said that they're going to do the same. And one of the things that he interestingly mentioned was that uh, there is a divide even within the Christian community when it comes to award shows because the Dove Awards are for white Christians overwhelmingly, and then the Stellar Awards are for black Christians or gospel music. So when you think about CCM, contemporary Christian music in the white spaces and gospel in the black spaces, we have this uh racial divide even within Christian music. And both of us are kind of reconciliation guys. We want to try to figure out how we bring this together. And we thought that Kirk was one of those too. But even he is getting um, weary of not being able to speak about social issues around this man. So, so Chris, I want to hear from you, brother, as you have heard Kirk and heard his heart, uh, what are you, how are you processing uh, his conversation around the Dove Awards and him not me not attending it in the future. Man, this <laughs> you and I have had this conversation often, um, and I think what makes it murky for people as they try to navigate it is the adjectives that we put in front of justice. Um, so uh, social justice. Uh, it, it tends to have a negative connotations uh, in the terms of theology with people saying like, these are the people who have abandoned the gospel, um, who lost focus on um, the first commandment to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, to only solely focus on the second, to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, but, I feel like if you were to put the word biblical in front of justice and then come in and say, okay, this was, this was a biblical justice issue. Uh, God has ordained this system in place to keep uh, society safe and this has being abused. And so uh, the frustrating piece is when it gets applied and when it doesn't. I mean, issues that we care about all as Christians, um, it seems to be okay to make that an issue we all talk about. Abortion being a clear issue that like, obviously this has government implications, it has social implications, um, but the church feels very strong in its call to say, hey, we should be involved in this. And I think rightly so. Um, but yet not using that exact same biblical justice parameter to say like, hey, the over-policing of minority communities is a problem and uh, the church needs to stand up and not hide its prophetic voice in this situation as well. And then it becomes unfortunate. And then you're trying to figure out, okay, so what's the difference? Uh, one, we could say, uh, the difference is we would say like, no one's standing up for um, 
unborn babies and they're the most vulnerable in society. But then you start to say, interestingly enough, beyond that point, uh, this just so happens to break down among racial lines. And that's unfortunate. If you heard Kirk's comments, he issued a call to prayer. Like the comment that was edited out could not have been more tame. He said, let's pray for this family. Let's pray for the nephew that witnessed the whole thing. And let's pray for the family of the police officer. So as a church, if we can't issue a call to prayer without it being divisive among racial lines, like uh, we're a little bit further behind in this conversation than I thought. And that was a little bit unfortunate to me. What about you? Mm. So, so my thing would be is uh, I understand the language um, is a hiccup for some people when they hear social justice. We've had a whole conversation about this and some leading voices in evangelicalism are kind of coming against this idea of social justice in a, as a movement. My point is do not let language lead you to silence. Uh, because if we do, we would be repeating a uh, mistake in history, I would say, uh, that happened during the civil rights movement. So when you use the language of civil rights in the 60s, certain clergy or certain people with um, certain theological uh, understandings of what justice means uh, would not join the civil rights movement because of the language surrounding it. So as uh, Martin Luther King, one of my uh, distant mentors and one of my heroes, uh, he is someone who penned the letter from Birmingham jail uh, speaking to uh, Christians, uh, clergy people who were telling him that the civil rights movement was going too far too fast. And it seems like we're repeating history based on language because their main issue was the fact that this movement was a civil rights movement, a social movement and not a gospel movement. Let's focus on the gospel. Um, it's kind of the buzzword. So, so my warning, uh, my exhortation, because it's both a warning and an exhortation, is that we can hold them both in tension. And that biblical justice, as you mentioned, um, is as much social justice as uh, you know, abortion and uh, us lamenting communities who are over-policed. Those are both justice issues biblically and not just socially. So we can't take that language and kind of make it the thing that we uh, don't want to hang our hat on or hang our hat on because it happens on both sides. Yeah. I mean, final word for me on that is just like, it's a both and gospel. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second command is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we see like, Hey, we have this, horizontal relationship but we also have this vertical relationship that god expects us um to maintain to properly image him in this world so we look up with eyes that are thankful as they look upon the cross but they also look out to brothers and sisters um to make sure that they are living in an adjust world so jay rich you know what this weekend brings back it's not just when we roll the clocks back but it's also when Papa's brings back the chicken sandwich. Chick-fil-A's big rival sandwich <laughs> is back this weekend. But you and I have an interesting perspective on why we maybe didn't run out to be part of the Popeye's challenge this time around. What's been going on with us, Jay Rich? Man, listen, in July, I came to a realization. 
as I was sitting on my bed and trying to put a sock on. I could not bend over to put my sock on. I had to lay down, uh, maneuver my body to, to be able to put my sock on because uh, I realized that I gained a good amount of weight. I tell people that uh, there's the college 15 that people talk about gaining 15 pounds, but then there's also the church 30 that you pick up when you become a pastor and a church uh, that wants to give you all types of meals and snacks and pound cakes. And uh, in July, I intentionally made a decision. I said, I cannot continue in this direction. In high school, bro, I was under 200 pounds, probably about 180 pounds. Uh, so I kind of blossomed up to about 40 pounds bigger than that. So I wanted to make sure that um, being a good steward, you know, we like to cover topics that help us not just uh, socially, but theologically. Being a good steward of my body uh, required of me to be able to think through, man, what am I going to do with the next 20, 30 years um, to make sure that I am one, around, God willing, and then two, you know, as black men, hypertension and all that good stuff kind of crops, crops up in our history. So I wanted to be a pretty good steward of that too, man. I've been making excuses in the past. So I made an intentional decision to start a weight loss journey, man. Uh, and, you know, we're not really wanting to get into, you know, weight, weight loss do's and don'ts and all that good stuff. But we wanted to encourage our community um, by our journeys. And, and Chris, you've had a similar journey around that same time. It's, it's good to be able to walk together with somebody on this journey. And I just wanted to hear kind of how you felt around that time and how you were able to process that together with me as your brother. Yeah, well, I'll add this too, because I think you said something important for all men, all women, but definitely in the black community. I started this journey with you later. You were already having progress. And I was like, for one, like even having communities, someone like for you in my life, just taking the lead in this and saying, let's do better. And me saying like, what, what good excuse do I have to tell Jay Rich? No, I don't want to do better in this area. And I also had a group of friends back here in this community that were on the same journey. And so I decided like, hey, this is something I really want to do, not just because my friends are doing it, but like, even as they've made me think through it, like, I really want to own this. But about three weeks in for me, I had a stroke. Um, and it probably would have been a lot worse if I wasn't already on this journey. But at first, the journey was my choice. And now it's doctor recommended that I stay on this journey. And so like that really was a wake up call to me to say like, hey, like I really, Lord willing, do wanna be around for my kids, for my wife. I don't want all this to fall on her shoulders. We got five kids. My wife reminds me of that every day. She's a wonderful wife, but a mean nurse uh, ever since I've been in the hospital. And, <laughs> um, and also if I was just being completely honest, like I was making excuses about why I was making food an idol in my life. And um, I really couldn't back any of that uh, by the gospel. So that was just some of the thinking that went into it from my point. Yeah, and I, I told some folks uh, a couple of weeks ago when I preached about um, part of my journey, um, and I'm gonna be honest with you, was a little bit like, man, uh, me and you joke a lot about uh, Song of Solomon time with our wives. Uh, some of you guys will get that, catch that tomorrow. Uh, but one of the things that I was thinking about was like, man, uh, I read scripture and I read Paul talking about 
our bodies not being our own. And I had to ask myself this question. I said, man, what, what kind of body am I bringing my wife um, physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, so that I can enjoy the wife of my youth, uh, essentially? And I had to think through that. And that was part of my process, too, because I didn't want to be a husband that um, that did not think about that in terms of uh, me and my wife's relationship. So part of it was, yes, I could put my socks on. But at the same time, as we mentioned, like we want to think about our families, too, and the potential impact that it could have on on them. Um, but we don't yeah. also we don't want to just talk about physical changes. We know people. There are people out there who have uh, physical limitations or who have tried uh, to diet before and there have been issues that they could not continue. So we don't want to be saying that, oh, man, you have to drop weight to be able to be happy. Uh, but we do want to say that stewardship is important and that um, their community is important. Having someone around that you can work with. Uh, some of the listeners may have been trying to do it by themselves, but it's been great, man, Chris, with you and 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 Jay Hart, one of our former uh, members here on the Boxing One podcast. We just been kind of talking to each other, holding each other accountable, sending pictures, sending weight uh, weight loss uh, statistics, just doing it together, and that's what God created us for. Created us for community, right? Yeah, I think. Can I just add this too? Um, like in our community, we have these wonderful traditions. I think you and I both grew up. Uh, Jay Rich likes to joke that since I'm from VA, I'm kind of from the South. But like, I, certainly sorta. Grew up, <laughs> I definitely grew up in a church where like every fifth Sunday, there was the big fried chicken platter. And if you start to look historically how some of these foods were introduced into our culture, like they were out of uh, necessity, you know, like um, if, if African-Americans are traveling through the South and they're not allowed to eat at restaurants, they have to prepare foods in a way that keeps. Um, and so like they become traditions. And so I respect those traditions, but I also know like I can't build a whole diet out of just that. You know what I'm saying? Like um, I need to be a good steward and then say like, Hey, God made all things for my enjoyment. So I'm not going to totally get rid of everything that I've always loved to eat, but I'm definitely going to eat it in a way that shows that I take stewardship seriously. So. If you're new to the podcast, then you don't know that we usually close our sessions by giving you guys kind of a peek into what's on our bookshelves or what's in our uh, earbuds as we talk about what we're reading and what we're listening to. So, C-Last, what you been reading and listening to lately, man? All right. So, um, real quick, I'll just go through and give you the brief summary. I just finished reading a book called Reset. It has everything to do with the last topic we just talked about, stewarding our health from a gospel perspective. Very good book. I'd highly recommend it. Finished that book off and now I'm reading Bonhoeffer's Black Jesus and just talking about how Bonhoeffer's time in New York in an African-American church really shaped this theology and kind of helped him see what the church in Germany was missing with Hitler way before everyone else. And that's a fascinating book as well. Listening to uh, D. Wilson, on uh, iTunes, I love his CD, uh, the hymnal. And Jonathan McReynolds has a song called "God Is Good," and that's just kind of been my jam for like the last week since my wife turned me on to it. What about you, Jay Rich? What you got for me? First of all, shout out to my man Reggie Williams who went to Fuller with me for Bonhoeffer's Black Jesus. Great read for anyone who wants to read it. So thank you for 
uh, read Netman. Let me know how you like it. And then I'm going to go with um, a book I've been reading lately. I'm really interested in politics and things like that. So uh, this one's called The Immoral Majority, Why Evangelicals Chose Politics and Power Over Christian Values by Ben Howe. It's fascinating uh, talking about the past 40 years in evangel evangelicalism. And it's just been a great read. Uh, would definitely commend it to folks who are interested in the history of evangelicalism. Uh, Hal does a good job. He's a journalist, so he does a good job of writing that and laying it out. So it's called The Immoral Majority. I'm surprised you didn't say you were listening to Kanye's Jesus is King, but it's all good, man. We forgive you Bruh. for <laughs> You know, I we're, had to mention Kanye out. one time. All right, man. We're Kanye it out. We're Kanye it out, man. <laughs> All right, so go check those out. We're going to uh, include them in the resources in this episode so you can check them out. Um, and we would commend all those resources to you that we just mentioned. All right, so closing shout outs. What we got, C-Last, who is your closing or what is your closing shout out for this show? Uh, closing shout out is my man, Jalil Pettiford. Uh At my high school, basketball has a huge basketball tradition. He was the last point guard to lead our team to a state championship. And he just released his fall 2019 uh, clothing line at Novel Clothing, NovelWorldCollective.com. A teen entrepreneur. Love that guy. So I'm going to shout him out. Got to love the teen entrepreneurs. That's good stuff. Hey, listen, um, my shout out is going to be to St. Mark Baptist Church, my church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. This has been one of the most healthy ministries that my family has ever been a part of. And I'm grateful to be on staff at St. Mark Baptist Church. And we have grown so much over the past nine months. And I'm just grateful for all the people that work there, all the staff members who have uh, now considered us family. And it's just been a great transition for us. So shout out to St. Mark Baptist Church, where we tell people, you grow here. And it's the gospel truth. People do grow at St. Mark. So shout out to the church family. That's what's up, yeah. That's good stuff. All right, you guys. That's been the Boxing One Podcast. We're so excited to be back. Can't wait to continue to record episodes and to talk with you guys about sports, faith, and culture. Three of the things that we continue to love talking about and just enjoy you guys being present as well. Make sure you go over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you like it. Uh, leave a review if you can. A good review. Don't re leave any bad reviews, okay? I know you guys know this. Uh, <laughs> they can be honest. No, nah, you can Look, be honest with this. Giving me a Georgia prediction for you. Hop off the mic. Georgia, Florida. I can't talk about it right now, man, because I'm nervous. I'm nervous. That. I'm nervous. I we got you. South Carolina. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. I might be happy next time we podcast. We'll see. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see you guys <laughs> next go around. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, thank you again for joining us on this journey. Uh, we're blessed to be able to have each and every one of you with us. Uh, grace and peace to you all.